Welcome to In Light of the Gospel. This is episode 55. Today I'm talking with a young man named David Friesen. He's the cousin of Johnny Friesen I interviewed a few months ago. Uh, he's, he's a very passionate young man, and he's come to realize the gospel, and it's a beautiful thing. His story is kind of a typical hardcore Mennonite story where the family is experiencing their first conversion out of the Mennonite faith. So David came to realize at the age of 18, 19, 20, that he wanted more truth than what he had in the old colony tradition and in his family. And so he started looking and searching, and it came to the point where he realized he was going to have to choose faith over family. And he found that passage where Jesus says that if you're not willing to leave father, mother, brother, sister, so on and so forth, then you're not worthy to be my disciple. And it made me think also when Jesus said, uh, think not that I am come to bring peace. I came rather to bring a sword. I came to set at variance a father against a son, a mother against a daughter, and so forth. It's hard for us to swallow that kind of concept. Why would Jesus, who was supposed to bring peace on the earth, why would he come to set at variance a mother and father, or a father against son, and so on? But it's often only for a short term, where God does a work. So often he, he chooses one person, he choose, brings them out of their tradition, out of their faith, and then it causes others to search and to look and to understand. And eventually, maybe even eventually, young David's father and mother will also come to the faith and rejoice with him. But in the meantime, it's a little tough. It's hard to swallow. It's difficult. But you'll hear all about it in the story. So I appreciate you tuning in. I think you'll be really blessed by this and that it will, it will uh, how do you say, it'll feel very relevant to a lot of people because a lot of Mennonites have experienced this type of ostracization where they are completely separated, ostracized from their family members because of their faith. So thanks for tuning in. God bless you. So you were born and raised in Ontario? Yep, born in St. Thomas and raised around these areas we never really moved more than 10 minutes apart okay we've moved around a little bit but yeah well so you never lived in mexico nope no okay. i've visited visited a couple times but other than that no gotcha do you know where your parents lived in mexico uh durango okay durango area but you've been back there yeah. a few times then yeah. to visit yeah nice. i know the area a bit but not as well as this area yeah. I guess. So you, uh, if you were raised here, was it in the Tilsonburg area, you said? Yeah. So you went to Tilsonburg Old Colony? Uh, Glenmire. Glenmire Old yep. Colony. Okay, Glenmire I didn't Colony. think there, didn't realize there was one there. Yep. Yeah, that was my school for, till, well, from kindergarten to grade eight. And okay. I tried high school in East Elgin. Yep. In Elmer, but I think I did two grades and dropped out. Gotcha. Couldn't really mix it with work and everything, so. Yeah. You said you're the oldest of how many siblings? Eleven. 11, so you have 11 siblings, so there's 12 of you total? Oh, uh, no, or 11, 11 with, with me, so 10, 10 siblings. That's a big family. Yeah. How old is your youngest sibling then? Oh, I don't know, maybe four? Yeah, maybe yeah. four. Wow, yeah. that's Jeez. quite a spread. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've had a lot of experience with kids, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. we have seven ourselves. We okay. really enjoy it too, and our oldest is 20 down to four years old, right? So. Yeah. That's that's a good span though too. Yeah, for sure. So you went to the old colony school and everything. Yeah, you had the a Mennonite type of education. Yeah, yeah, just like the typical Mennonite. Yeah, they did the CLE books. Yeah, yeah, yep. so the conservative Mennonite. Some of them have some some gospel in them at times if yep. you pay attention. Yeah, yep. yeah, they, they, there's good stuff in there. That's for sure. But I found that the old colony school in Elmer when they started up, it almost kind of backfired on them. 
because they couldn't get enough teachers from Old Colony. So they had hi hired teachers from outside the church to come in and teach. And they used those books as a platform to share the gospel with a lot of the young kids. And so a lot of young people understood the gospel at school, at Old Colony School, and then started realizing that it didn't jive with the church that yeah. they were attending, right? Mm -hmm. So what's, what's your story like? As a very young boy, you're the oldest. Were you a, a bit of a troublemaker or are you kind of a quiet kid? Yeah, I was a bit of a troublemaker. Yeah. Um, you don't want to be, of course, when you, but then you grow up and your friends are starting to have so, so much fun and you want, you want in. Um, never did any drugs, um, never even smoked, but you know, there's the alcohol issues and, yeah. and of course you want to go party and stuff. But um, yeah, other than that, you know, just a typical Interesting. Youth. Well, I, I most, most young boys in school, especially, if they want to have friends, the quickest way to get friends is to be funny yeah. or to be yeah. troublemaker. Because yeah, sure. then everybody wants to be with you, right? Yeah. Oh, that was in school too. Yeah, for sure. It, it looked fun not to be in trouble, but being in trouble and being talked about, that was... Yeah, then all, was, all the other kids want to be with you yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And you for sure. make everybody laugh and everybody can't help but like you, right? Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that was my, my childhood life. Uh, started all that partying and stuff and... Not very proud of it, but you learn. You live yeah. and you learn. And uh, there was one point where I was at the point where I had too much on my mind. So I asked for help. And my uncle is actually a preacher in Old Colony System. Okay. And I went to him for help. And at the time, it did help. Um, just talking, getting everything off my chest. And so I felt very guilty on a lot of stuff. So I made sure that everything was... You confessed all your yeah, sins and tried to clear your conscience. Yeah. Yeah. I did that to him. I went to the to the other pastor, the the head pastor, mm -hmm. and did the same thing there. Uh, went home, confessed everything to my, everything to my parents, made sure that I was good, and I was gonna get baptized. I went to the classes and everything, and I guess something came up, and it, I never went through with it. Mm. So interesting. I know even psychologically, like a lot of modern secular people are starting to realize that. There's a lot of value in just opening up and confessing your sins, right? Yeah. So if you do go to somebody like a therapist or a psychologist or something and you just share your burden and all your weight and you lift it off, there's a temporary relief to it, right? Mm -hmm. And so some people can go through a baptismal course or training and then afterwards they feel relieved and they feel fresh, yep. but only to start completely new again, right? And start yep. piling up the sins. So when you were quite young, do you remember having a consciousness of God or was it yes. not? Yeah. Oh yeah. I grew up with a, a very big knowledge of, you know, there's a God, uh, we know who to serve and how to live. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing that, well, I guess from a very young age, I was very into it. Like I remember even when I was smaller, we used to, you know, play as kids and I would even write little sermons mm. growing up just because I knew what we were talking and what we were taught. Yeah. Um, but from there, as I got older, then um, you, there's some rules that just didn't really click, didn't really make sense, and it gets you asking questions. Which okay. So you were thinking out. about stuff from a pretty young age. Yeah. The, the consciousness of God, was it something deeply personal, or was it more just like a, of course God is there? It was more of a, of course I know God is there, but I'm scared of Him. Okay. You, you, there's this, you were, you were taught to fear Him. Yeah. And I always looked at him as an angry father who would still love, though. Like, somehow, I pictured him as a loving God because I knew he loved, but I was fearful of if I was to face him, like, right here and then, 
it would be a complete anger and mm -hmm. and yelling type. Yeah. He rules with a rod of iron, right? Yeah. Yeah. And our God is a consuming fire. Yeah. So that's the kind of childhood. So knowing that God and, and Jesus too, you know, you can never really t say the name Jesus or really talk about it. Except that was kind of taboo almost? Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of like in the household, of course, of course, it's a bit different, but never to anybody else, you know, keep it between the households. Kind was, of. was it ever explained to you why you shouldn't talk about it or was it just something you kind of knew? The only thing that was explained to me was um, if you talk about it too much, you'll know too much and then you'll uh, shoot okay. over, you know. Yeah, if so, you're shooting. Yeah. I see. So, so were you, were, did you read the Bible? I did, yes. Um, not as much as I grew older, but... But it wasn't, um, it wasn't uh, forbidden to read the Bible? No, okay. no, no, that it wasn't. Just um, there was a point where I, uh, when I was going to get baptized and I, I was hanging out with some friends who had this open idea, which I didn't at the time. And so uh, when, I guess my parents noticed it right away and I started reading a lot and then that created a bit of a problem because okay. I, I was starting to get off the point. I was starting to wander off the road. <laughs> so wander off the road into this book. Yep. That's funny. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> Uh, now that you know the scriptures and you know the gospel, it's like, how, how, why would they want to keep you from it? Right? It like, doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't. No. But do the right things. Get on the straight and narrow. Obey the, uh, the, the church's rules mm -hmm. and read it a little bit yep. here and there. But don't dig into it. Don't, nope. don't try to study it. Don't go to do groups where they study the Bible. Just go to church in the morning and then yeah. and that's it that's for it. the that's rest of enough. the week. Yeah. And then eventually clean up your life. You know, stop yeah. doing the alcohol and parties yeah. and whatnot. That part I'm very thankful for my parents. Uh, wise, um, they never liked the idea of alcohol and all that. Mm -hmm. And even now, I've found out that they were kind of uh, in the youth too, in the youth system, trying to get people to come to the youth instead of partying and yeah. drinking everything. So that part I'm thankful of. Um, that was never really a problem. After I was at the stage where I was going to get baptized at one point, I never really fell back into the alcohol. Okay. Um, I fell from my ways every now and then, you know, you fall and you come back, but I never went back to the party. But during your teenage years then, the partying and the drinking was pretty common. Yeah, it was common. That was the coolest thing you could do. <laughs> come and home and, and the, the whole bunch would kind of get together somewhere and hang out typically? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, um, yeah you'd hang out and if you weren't old enough to buy, you'd find someone to buy and mm -hmm. you'd go and make sure you had a good time. And, Interesting. When I was a young teenager, I didn't, um, I never got into an old colony bunch. I mean, my friends were old colony boys, but mm -hmm. there was about three or four or five of us at one point, uh, but none of them were in the party scene. And so we would hang out and watch movies and play video games and okay. whatever else. So I never thought about partying. Yeah. I didn't know that there was groups partying anywhere. Right. But uh, I remember after I got saved driving home on Vienna line one day and there was this huge group of people and it was clear they were like old colony type people. Mm -hmm. And so me and a friend, we decided, let's go back. We stopped, we went back and we started talking to them, right? Sharing mm -hmm. the gospel and trying to tell them about Christ and stuff. And we had some good conversations, but there was definitely some opposition there. Yep. They were not too friendly. Yep. No, they don't want people like that. And yeah, I've, I'm pretty sure I might have been maybe there too, because I've been around these areas and there was parties and yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was, well, back in the day, there was nothing more common than on a Sunday, go to church and sleep or chit chat the whole entire time. Cause through service. Yeah. Cause you didn't really care. And in your head, just chatting, well, into your buddies, just 
chit chat about oh yeah let's can't wait to go and get some drinks where's everybody gonna be today yeah. what's gonna happen because yeah. well when you were even younger you didn't have a phone so instead of doing everything over the message then kind of plan it in church and then yeah. after that you know where to meet up and where to get dropped off and then from there we would go our and ways. i i don't imagine we need to go into a terrible amount of detail but at those little parties all kinds of trouble happens there right? oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like overuse of alcohol and sexual misconduct oh and... yeah there's there's a lot of it that's for sure um yeah, uh, I was never the type to get into a lot of trouble. Like, I've never been in a fight and stuff, but... Definitely plenty of that. No, yeah. there was a lot of that. I, I knew people who, they they went there for that. Hoping to fight. Hoping to fight, because that's the kind of people who were cool, you know? Don't yeah. mess with us, so... Yeah. So, yeah, there's... That's crazy. You, you, I mean, the average person, you think of any other Canadian around us, when you hear the word Mennonite, unless they know the Mennonites pretty intimately, they would be like, what? No, they're peaceful kind no partying and drinking that would yeah. be that would be wrong that's that's sinful and it is like most parents don't want it to happen mm -hmm. but at the same time they kind of just drop their kids off at 13 14 yeah. years old at the bunch mm -hmm. and they hope that hey you guys stay out of trouble mm -hmm. okay well they're in my head uh, they're more okay with that happening than if they were to dig into the scripture absolutely yeah. yeah so they can go ahead and get to a big party like that and somebody gets drunk and gets into a fight and somebody has sex yeah but don't go there somewhere and study the bible yeah. yeah yeah that's that's when you cross the line yeah my parents were hard on both sides so i had a, an older brother that did get into the party scene okay and there's a funny story that we talk about my mom and my friend's mom they found out where they were drinking and partying at a campfire and my parents pulled up you know whip open the doors and my mom <laughs> steps out chasing my brother around and get in the car you're going home, right? So she was big on stopping them from, from the alcohol and the drinking. And then same thing if, you know, if we were stuck, or we were at a Bible study somewhere, she might try to show up there too and, and ruin that thing, right? Yeah. Keep us on the straight and narrow. So at what age did you start considering your personal responsibility to God a bit more? Honestly, it was late. Um, I wanted to, I had the desire to, but I never knew how. Yeah. So when I reached out for help, like you said before, it's a permanent relief, or I mean a temporary relief. Temporary relief. relief. Yeah. So I did that a couple times. And, and that I, was about 16, 18? I would have said 18 maybe. Yep. Yep. And well, uh, Sorry, what were you so troubled by that you felt you had to talk to a preacher? Honestly, just everything. I felt like I had just let my parents down. Um, I felt, Dealing with guilt. Yeah, I felt so guilty that I just, there was a time where I felt so guilty and I wanted to be so much better that I knew I had to get rid of the guilt. And I just didn't know how. I didn't yeah. know how to confess. So it ate, it, ate, it ate at me until I just couldn't hold it in anymore. And, you know, uh, the most common thing to do is go and talk to a preacher. Yeah. So that's what I did and felt, mm. felt better after. And I do feel good now knowing that I made everything up to my parents. I, yeah. I did everything that was in, in between us. I, I settled it. So I, I do feel good about that. But. Yeah, there's nothing, definitely nothing wrong with confessing your sin. That, no. that part's good. I never went to a preacher with anything until baptism. At baptism, you kind of get put in the room, yeah. and all the preachers are there, and they're like, hey, what do you want to confess? I'm like, well, uh, what am I supposed to confess, right? <laughs> and then so I started listing a few things, and you know, these are the sins that I know are mm -hmm. wrong, and I'm trying to change, but there was no, nothing to do with Christ, okay. nothing at all. It was just confess your sins to the preacher. Yeah um yeah so it must have been um well i left america in 2021 
So it must have been like a year before. I, I could say maybe 2019, end of 2019. Mm -hmm. How come you didn't get baptized? Uh, honestly, I don't even really know. So there must something have been just something, prevented you. Yeah, something must have just prevented it. I know I was going to get baptized with a buddy of mine. We were both in it. And you went to the classes. Yeah, we went to the classes. We were there a couple times, so we, you have to sign your name down if you want to get baptized or not. And we did, and then all of a sudden we both ha had a change of heart. And uh, so we just, you know, we didn't put our name down anymore. We still went yep. to the classes, but we just didn't put our name down. Well, that's where all the young people are at on yep. Wednesday night, right? Yeah, all the young people who can't legally hang out on a Wednesday night, they go to the school then and then at least they can hang out with their yep. friends there. So interesting. Yeah. Um started to realize that I needed more. I was hungry and couldn't really do much because you're so um closed up on it. Mm -hmm. Like you're not really supposed to talk about Bible stuff and um for some reason I really wanted to, but kind of what what was me away. what was stimulating your interest in the scriptures? I wish I knew. <laughs> not like your your cousin Dave wouldn't have had anything to do with that or anything like that. No, not really. Um, yeah, just I, something in you. Yeah, so I started going to youth, and they had prayer there too. Old Colony um, Youth. Yeah, Old Colony okay. Youth. So they had a prayer there and a little bit of a. There was some youth leaders. They share a bit of scripture and stuff, and there were some guys there that I started to get to know that kind of talked about spiritual stuff like that, and they talked about rules and how different they should be from the legalism to the, you know, Bible standards okay. and stuff. And it opened my eyes a bit. I remember coming home one day after hanging out with them and I started talking to my parents about it. And they right away told me like, hey, look, um, you can't hang out with people like that. Cause but they were some of the youth leaders. Uh, they were not the youth leaders. They were people in the youth. Oh, okay. And they were starting to question things. And... Yeah. I see. And so they, I remember them telling me, my parents telling me, that the moment I had opened my mouth to start talking to them about that, they had heard that I was, I had been misled. Hmm. So it kind of fueled something in me. I was like, I need to know more, but I was scared to know more because I remember being uh, opposed to it. Like when they talk about it, I'd be like, no, but we can't think like that. We were taught like this. Mm -hmm. um, and so they started sharing it, how they, how they seen it. And they added scripture to it. So I couldn't. You can't really refute it. No, I can't. So I guess that kind of kick-started it. Yeah. I was getting hungry and hungrier and hungrier. And uh, then at some point, I, st I stopped going to youth. And I still hung out with the friends, though. And we bonded, had, a good, had good times. And then after that, uh, my, my Uncle Henry and uh, Cousin John and them started going to a different <clears throat> uh, church, too. And that caused a big uproar in the whole freezing side. Yeah. So... I guess that kind of just made me look at it too. Even I remember when they switched churches, I was like, oh, they just... What are you guys doing? Yeah, they went to hell. Yeah. <laughs> that was my teaching. So um, right away, that was my initial reaction. But um, I guess patience is key in yeah. times like that. And, and then you watch the people, right? Yeah. What are they actually living for? What's mm -hmm. their life about? And I remember going to gatherings and all you hear is, uh, you know, people talk about these people and judge these people. and. And that's the main topic of gatherings. It was just talking about one or the other person. I remember like times where there was just, they talk smack about someone so much and then that, that or that person would show up at the gathering and then they would quiet up and they would start praising them. Really? Yeah. So it was very two-faced and that kind of, that kind of opened my eyes. I was like, something is going yeah. on here. When I was uh, a, 
almost on the verge of getting saved. I was about 21. I was already married, baptized at a little colony. Um, but then I remember hearing about maybe two or three years prior, a bunch of people had left the old colony, a bunch of young people. And there had been one young man in particular, he had a red beard and he let it grow probably about as long as mine at least. Mm -hmm. And um, to me, I looking back now, it's like, well, you kind of knew you were going to make trouble. Like, yeah. You don't go to an old colony meeting with a beard hoping to teach the elders there. Like, it's not going to happen. No, it's not. And so I looked at it and I thought, those guys, they're just trying to push the buttons. They're just trying to make trouble. They clearly don't want truth. Mm -hmm. And so then my friend at the time, he said, okay, let's say this guy with the beard was completely wrong. Maybe he was wrong in some ways, but he was obviously excited about the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And he came to this meeting. He was still an old colony member, um, an unmarried man, and he wanted to petition the leaders saying, hey, can we do some Bible study? We just want to know this book. Mm -hmm. Can we get some English maybe? Like that kind of questions were happening. And the leadership and the older men in the church, they mocked him, they ridiculed him. Some, somebody had come and pulled on his beard apparently, which, you know, that can hurt quite yeah. a lot. Mm -hmm. And it was them trying to put him in his place. And so then this friend of mine, he said, so even if the guy with the beard was completely wrong, what do you think about the response of the leaders of the old colony and the old grown men of old colony? Yeah. And I like, well, that's clearly unbiblical. Like that's what they did to Jesus. Mm -hmm. They exactly. ripped out his beard and they spat on him and they mocked him and they ridiculed him. And I thought, oh boy, I'm going to have to rethink this. I don't agree with the guy with the beard because he's going off the deep end, but I clearly don't think that the leaders of old colony or the men at the old colony church were acting appropriately. Yeah. And so it started opening my mind too. It's like, Okay, well then who is right here? I, I know. don't know, right? Yep, uh, there's a lot of that. When I started getting hungry for it, um, knowing that some members of the family had left for a different church, you start to want to ask questions because you feel like that's the only people you can ask questions because they're hungry for the truth and they're, yeah. they're going to be willing to actually give you answers, not just the common answers that you get. So I reached out and I didn't just reach out to them, but I reached out to a lot of people and I came there, we talked a lot, and that fueled it more and more. And, but the more it fueled me, the more it fueled my, my, my own personal family that I was just He's running gonna, off the road, yeah. I'm gone. And it came to that point where I just didn't know what to do. I, was, I wanted the truth, but it, it was so hard to get it. And you don't want to run your parents down, no, right? No. But so. then there's probably some part of you too that is like, hey, now I know truth and you don't. And it's easy to kind of say something boldly yep. and almost disrespectfully, right? Mm -hmm. Where now they're going to listen to you even less. Yeah. So, so I figured the best spot. the best thing to do it for me at that point was um, I had a cousin living in in Texas. Yep. And I reached out to him and he said if I came over, they had an extra room. Um, I could room and board there. Things were pretty rough at home then already. Yeah, so um, I made up my mind. He said he had a work uh, job lined up, like a cotton harvest season for me. And so I figured, you know what, I'm. this is a good offer. I got to take it. And, and you were like 20-ish? 20 21. 21. Yeah. So I packed up my things and got my car shipped over the border. Borders were closed at the time. Oh, so yeah. I had to fly over, but went there. And after that, it just blew wide open. Like, that was the break that I needed. That Your cousins was in Texas were understanding the gospel already? No, not, no, not particularly. It, you were free to do yeah, what you was, needed to do to search. Exactly. Like, they weren't, they were the younger type, so they weren't as judgmental. Yeah. So, I could stay there, and yeah, it blew right open. As soon as I left home, I, it, it 
you don't want to say it that it that it felt relieved but i felt very very relieved not in a bad way not that i wanted to get rid of my parents but just to chase the gospel that i was yeah. hungry for and so yeah after that it just it grew and interesting i know it's like there's a temptation when you're young especially to think how could our parents be so ignorant? How could they be so, un how lack so much understanding? And why are they so close to the truth? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, now I've been a parent for 20 years and uh, almost 21. And um, I start to see that, okay, well, I, this is how I understand the world. This is how I understand the Bible. Mm -hmm. If somebody came in and totally disrupted my family, and now one of my children is leaving what I've always taught them to be true, it would be hard, hard to swallow, right? Yeah. I would hope that I would face it with more grace and more understanding and maybe have more reason to it and not just get angry. Yeah. But you can kind of understand where I don't, they don't know the Bible that well. Mm -hmm. And now here you are challenging them with the Bible, quoting passages and telling them this or that. And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, that's, that's not how we've learned it. Yeah. Especially, um, me just being their son, you know, yeah. like they're so much older. How would their son know things that we don't, you know, exactly. it's, it's too much. They've been programmed. I heard I heard one financial teacher. He's a Christian financial teacher. He said that uh, two things that a parent does not want to learn from someone that they wiped the bum of, you know, change diapers on, yeah. is God and, and money. So you you know, as a young man, your parents changed your diaper just twenty years ago. Like, yeah. You know, you were just a baby, and now you're going to teach them. Uh, who do you think you are? Yeah. And and it's understandable. Mm -hmm. And so it's difficult to approach it correctly because you're excited and zealous. But at the same time, we should be respectful and polite and appreciative. Yep. But probably moving out at 21 is probably a smart thing to do because you, you should be moving on, right? Yeah. Yep. 21, you're a man. Yeah. But yeah, it seemed like the, that was a big deal, though. Like, um, I didn't really ask. I just went. Um, I felt like uh, since, well, I, I'm the oldest, so you kind of feel like you're getting babied for, for a while, I guess, mm. personally. And um, I wanted to be a man for myself. So, um, if I would have asked every, everything, uh, every time, then, you know, it's more or less what they want me to do, but I wanted to think for myself too. Yeah. So that's kind of where I ran after my heart. And I feel like God, <clears throat> God called me to do that, even though I wasn't that close with him then. But if it hadn't been for that, I, I don't know where I would be. There, most likely as you age and, and mature more so, you'll probably look back and think, oh, I wish I would have done this different. I wish I could have done that better. Mm -hmm. I should have respected my dad maybe more because it was hard for him. Yeah. But at the same time, you do what you know to do, right? Yeah. And if you're trying to find truth and there's this constant barrier where you can't get to the truth because the opposition of your parents, at one point it's like, okay, I am a grown man. Mm -hmm. I got to do what I got to do, right? Yeah. And Jesus says, you know, if you don't love your love me more than your father, mother, brother, sister, parents, you know, your own life, your yeah. wife, then you're not worthy of me. And so there's a, a point where you're like, okay, God, I'm, I'm going to choose you above all else, no yeah. matter what. And it's hard in the beginning, like to realize, um, I never really read the passage of, I think it's Matthew where Jesus talks about, we have to leave father and mother to follow him mm -hmm. or um, something like that. Anyway, I can't really do it off by heart, but um, that passage struck me when I read it the first time, and that was at one of my lowest moments in life. That was in Texas, though, and I really wanted God to show me, look, am I really in the wrong here? Because yeah. I'm getting opposition from my parents so badly that if I'm really this bad, then show me. And I opened my Bible, and that was the verse that popped up. Interesting. And that's There's so two ways of going about that, right? On one hand, you could have just been rebellious, saying, I don't want to listen. 
And yeah. that would be a bad thing. Mm -hmm. the, the rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft, the Bible says. Yeah. On the other hand, it's like, God, I want to know you. And you say, if you're not willing to leave father, mother, brother, sister, and be my disciple, then you're not worthy of me. I'm willing to leave anything, God. I want, even if it means disruption of all my life, I want to serve you. Yeah. So what happened in Texas that brought you to the truth there? Oh, man. Um, I had never been in a, in a different church than Old Colony. Really? In my whole entire life. And I went to Old Colony there a couple times. Um, I was very slacking church the first year because I was sick of everything. Yep. So I don't, I don't know if I even went to church. I may, maybe went twice the whole year. And uh, I still wanted truth. Um, and I wanted the gospel. But at some point we had a wedding come up. It was a, in, a in a different church. And uh, I was like, okay, let's go. I had a girlfriend at that time already then. And we went there. And as soon as I walked in, I was like, this is so different, so new. Mm -hmm. um, and something inside of me sparked. I'm like, I like this. It feels more like this is a wedding. It doesn't feel more like a funeral. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I guess that kind of sparked it. And we went to more weddings, um, all at different churches. And and then all of a sudden, me and I live with one of my friends that I've known for a long time over there. And we decided to go to a different church and try it on out. A Sunday morning service. Yep, Sunday morning service. So we tried it. And I guess I felt a very welcoming experience. Not the type where you walk in and everyone looks at you like, you know, when you walk into Old Colony Church with a beard and T-shirt on or or not a black shirt, you know, you turn heads every which yeah. way. So here I walk in and um, everyone looks at me respectfully and welcomes me. Um, so I walked in. I felt that welcoming feeling and I felt at home. Mm -hmm. I felt the love. And so that spoke to me. And after that, I started digging. I reached out to the pastor of that church. I've had a lot of sit downs with him. Okay. I'm very happy, very grateful for that. He helped me a long way. Um, but up to that point, I was still struggling. I didn't know. I still remember, uh, I, I just didn't believe that you can know you be, you're saved. Right. That's blasphemy. Like, yeah. That's, that's clearly pride, right? Yeah. What are you saying? That you're good enough to yeah, be saved? Exactly. So that part was the hardest for me to overcome. And he kind of walked you through that? Or? Yeah. I came there on, I remember the date. It was July 25th of last year. Um, I came there, I needed answers so badly. And so I sat down and I asked him, um, what I, what I have to do to, to be saved? How can I know? Mm -hmm. And he walked me through to confess and, um, do you remember which passage he turned you to or no, I don't. Um, I wish I knew, Yeah. but he did give me passages and I know he brought up first John five thirteen. Yeah. So that's one of that my favorites. That you may know yep. that you have eternal life. That scripture is going to stick to me forever because it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly, exactly contradictory to what you've been taught. Yeah. You cannot know that you're saved. You cannot know that you have eternal life. You can't know. You can't know. You can't know. You open the Bible that ye may know. Like, what? I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is different. Yeah. So, yeah, that really spoke to me. And uh, I went home that night and that's the night I got saved. And after that, it was a burning desire. I did deliveries at the time. All of a sudden, the Bible makes sense. Yep. It was exciting. And you did deliveries. Yeah, I did deliveries at the time. So I had a lot of free time, a lot of... Drive and listen to messages. Yep, and driving, stuff. podcasts, messages, um, anyone that I could trust. That, and uh, I listened to yours quite a bit too. Helped a lot. And yeah, I had a burning desire after that. And yep. it vanishes at some points and then it comes back. But yeah, after that, it was, there was nothing that could stop me. Yeah. 
there, there almost seems to be, I've often labeled it as baby grace, where you first get saved and you are, like the Bible says, a newborn babe. Mm -hmm. He says, as a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Mm -hmm. And so as a newborn babe, I've had several, seven newborn babies at one point in my life, right? And yep. they just, they have a natural drive for their mom. They want to be with their mom. They want to nurse. They want to have milk. They want to grow. Yep. There's this urge in them to grow, to grow, to grow. Mm -hmm. And so newborn babes in the faith have the same thing. They just nothing phases them all the temptations feel like nothing no big deal i'm just determined i'm going to know god i want to know god and you yep. get into the bible and you're like you're learning to walk yeah but then if like for my kids when i'm teaching them to walk if i want them to actually learn to walk at one point i have to let go of my hand mm -hmm. and then they take a couple steps <clears> and they fall down and so i try to try to warn very new christians like hey right now you're floating cloud yep. nine everything <laughs> feels like life's going to be great for for now on but god's going to teach you he's going to let go of his hand sometimes. He's going to yeah. let you see that, hey, I can't do this on my own, still not. I'm not walking by myself here, right? Yeah. And that, that's the baby grace that we almost all seem to be introduced to when we first get saved. Yeah. But you, you've not even been saved a year then. No, not a year. Yeah. So, you, I mean, you're probably still floating. Not really, actually. <laughs> um, uh, for a while, I was. Yeah. Uh, I'll admit, I was. Uh, there was nothing that could stop me. I was Maybe singing and I was worshiping and I was just. Like, it was the best feeling ever. Yeah. Um, but then there's a certain time where all of a sudden, well, uh, it was at the time, and then after that, uh, what was it, in September, on her birthday, when I proposed, I sent my mom a picture, just telling her, look, she said yes. And that's when, uh, I guess you could say, all hell broke loose. Oh, really? Yep. Um, I hadn't really kept in touch that much with them. Um, Dad, not at all. Um, but I did send them a, an occasional message, but mom was, uh, mom would reply and we would talk and, and it was all good as long as we didn't bring up any spiritual stuff. Um, but yeah, that's kind of when everything broke loose and that brought me down Yeah. altogether. I didn't want it to, I didn't think it would, but every person has a longing and a want to be wanted by their parents. Mm -hmm. You want that love. And that really shook my faith. Um, I had a lot of conversations and and then I got a call from my dad saying too that I was uh, not welcome to talk with my family members anymore and mm -hmm. uh, not welcome to come home or yeah nothing at all no communication so that's uh, it was a it was a short floating that I was doing and then it brought me down to to my very yeah my very end and then after that you know you can't do everything you can't do anything on your own so i had to accept what happened that. then during that time where you you were kind of discouraged and uh did you get back into sin or anything like that um i guess you could say i kind of fell short on asking god for help that's yeah. more or less the point that i've always tried to realize that i did wrong there um as far as everything else it was just hard for me to forgive yeah the forgiveness is the biggest part that I had to overcome. Yeah. I never, I always told myself, I don't know if I can ever with a, with a truthful heart say that I'll forgive. Forgive your parents. Yes. Uh, I never thought I could say that in a truthful way. I, I always told myself I could say it, but I wouldn't mean it. Mm. But after all that, it's, it's funny because when they, when I got told that I was shunned, it actually grew my love. For them. For them. Yeah, you start to be able to have mercy or yeah. pity on them almost, yeah. right? So as soon as I heard that, it was hard to overcome, but uh, I forgave them and I have forgiven them for everything. And yeah, I just forgave and 
moved on. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I'm a dad, probably not much younger than your dad. And, um, I can only imagine what it would be like. And I, I don't think, I don't know him, but I don't think his reaction was correct. But at the same time, he's got 10 other children that he's trying to keep from going the way that you've gone. Yeah. So in his mind, he's like, if I just cut him off, if I show my kids, this is not going to happen in my house and this is not my child, that's not how we do things. Yeah. And maybe he can save the rest of them. Right. Yeah. But it often backfires. Right. That's... Yeah. But that is exactly the idea that he has. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. If you look back and say like the Martyr's Mirror or Fox's Book of Martyrs, mm -hmm. there was a saying back then that said the martyr's blood is a seed. So when they would kill a Christian for believing in Jesus, they'd go to the stake burning alive, singing hymns to God, praising God as they sang to the point where the, the killers, the persecutors would sometimes nail their tongue to the roof of their mouth to stop them from singing while they were burning. And the people watching would be like, how in the world could this person be humming with their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth, burning, but giving praise and glory to God? Mm -hmm. And there was one story, I don't know where this one took place, where they sent out a bunch of people on ice with no clothes on, and they were just going to have to go out there and freeze to death. One of the soldiers watching stripped off his clothes and joined them, said, I'm now a follower. So the martyr's blood ended up being a seed. For every martyr they killed, two more were born. And wow. so, same thing happens now. The, the Mennonites, they think that they can lock down their faith and their tradition. They think, if I just persecute this guy to the point where he has no place to be, he's not welcomed anywhere, and then we can cut this thing off. Yeah. The problem is, usually, two more of their children then get yep. saved, and then a few more, and then a few more. So, you, you're kind of being the martyr in that sense. Not that you're being killed, yep. but in the sense where you're being cut off completely, there's no ties anymore to your family, yep. but it's most likely going to produce curiosity and interest, just like it did with you when your cousins were being you know, opposed by your family yeah, members. Exactly. All of a sudden, it was like, what's this about? They seem really genuine. They seem really nice. They yep. seem really kind, mm -hmm. uh, and they clearly love God. So, what's going on here, right? Because I remember, uh, especially my mom's side, they almost all went to a different church. Okay. And uh, after that, we could never hang out with them anymore. Like, we didn't come to gatherings, nothing. Mm. And, uh, after, like, right away, I thought that was a good thing to do. You, you know, they're such bad people now. So, I didn't even want to do anything with them. Mm. Um, but after I got a little older, uh, I was talking to a cousin, and, and we were thinking about it. Like, why can we even get to know each other? Yeah. Just for this, because... As we were talking, we realized, we realized that we were in the same path, like we wanted the same things. So I guess it's just sad that it has to be so focused on religion or yeah. like on legalism than it is on. Interesting. Yeah. Well, the thing that I can offer as hope, I was about your age when I got saved, 21, and um, my father-in-law completely disowned me. For two years, I wasn't not welcome home. And my parents were very, very hurt and upset but they welcomed us home, but we're not open to what I had to say. And then a good six or eight or 10 years went by. And after two years, my father-in-law welcomed me back home. We just never talked about it. It was never discussed again. Yeah. Um, but now him and I can talk freely about the scriptures. He'll watch my YouTube stuff. And my dad and I had Bible study for a couple of years straight where he, he was leading a Bible study group and he would come to me and him and I would go through the scriptures together and make notes and then he would use some of the notes that we had made together to present to his Bible study group. So now often when they have Bible questions, they'll message me up and say, hey, what do you think about this passage? Or what do you think about that? And so it took a while, Yeah. but my parents are both saved. I believe my wife's parents are both saved and uh, they're all open to the truth of the gospel, so. That's one thing that's keep, keeping me going. 
even through all of this, um, there's that hope because I know God can save them. Yeah, amen. So that's the number one thing. (laughs) So now you're living in Texas. You've been there for three years almost? Two and a half. Two and a half? Yep. Working on your papers there to get into the country fully? Yep. And when are you getting married? June 8th. June 8th in Texas? Yep. Okay. So exciting. And your wife or girlfriend is a Christian? Yes. Yep. Did she Um, come to the faith before you or after you or? I would say almost the same at the same time. Um, she's kind of in the same boat that I am. Um, her parents she's are too. yeah. Her parents aren't as uh, strictly against it. They're more okay with it. They don't love it, but they're okay with it. Yep. Um, more or less, anyway. Um, but it was a struggle in the beginning, especially to get that change in the family. She was, she's the second one to leave the church. Okay. So it's a bit easier. She's the youngest, and I'm the oldest. So. It's kind of, it was kind of tough, but it's, it's getting better now. And, uh, so yeah, it was kind of at the same time where we both started to. Yep. What uh, type of church are you attending there now? We're going to Zummerfield Mennonite Church. Okay. And the gospel is preached there pretty regularly? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's much, much more clear and open than I've ever really experienced because, well, I was old colony four. But, uh, yeah, me and the pastor have a very good, um, connection and, I've had a one-on-one with him so many times now already that uh, he's on, I for sure see him on a good side. Nice. So. Um, when you came to that place that night when you realized that you could know that you're saved and you got saved, do you remember what uh, what made it spark in your mind? What made that clear? Obviously just knowing 1 John 1, uh, 1 John 5, 13. Sorry, what was the question? Like, what made it clear to you that you could know that you're saved? Just the fact that it says you can know you're saved? No, um, believing from my heart. Believing what? Because you'd that always believed Jesus, in Jesus. That Jesus died for me on the cross yeah. and rose from the dead. Yeah. And so that it wasn't my doing, it was his doing. Amen. My works didn't save me. Up until that point, I, I just assumed or, well, how I was taught was by the more good you do, mm-hmm. the more you're saved. So I had to really realize that that's the exact opposite. It's not what I do. It's what Jesus did for me on the cross. Yeah. And I did believe it to to a certain point er, most of my life that he did die for me and everything. But I never really focused on it that much yeah. so that I could really go into deeply. And so that night when I got saved, I really went into it deeply and I, I realized yeah. like, I'm nothing. That's awesome. So. I know in, in the book of Romans, he actually says to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So it's only when you stop working and actually trust, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't mean don't go do works anywhere. It doesn't mean don't be a good person, but it's like, okay, all of my goodness, I can't trust him. It's mm-hmm. not going to get me there. I'm, I'm clinging to this thing like it's going to save me, but it won't. The yeah. only thing that will save me is Jesus. So I got to stop working, let go of that, mm-hmm. and cling to Jesus, right? Yep. Yep. That's, it's a very harsh reality in the beginning, um, like especially for my parents and everyone involved, every, almost all the older people. Mm-hmm. Like they've been taught that for their whole yeah. entire life. So I don't expect, I told my parents that too, I don't expect you to just believe what I tell you because if I was taught that 50 years of my life, it would be a very hard, very tough pill to swallow. Yeah. But, you know, you, a lot of people are so stuck on pride 
that there's nothing else that's right but what they've been taught. Yeah, Sahaba lot, Sahaba lot. Yeah, and that that outweighs the, what the Bible says. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Doesn't oh yeah, matter no, that's for sure. I I was in that period of stage in my life for a while too, when I was about eighteen to twenty. Some of my friends were getting saved, and I was a strict old colony where they were kind of more easing up on it, and they were mm -hmm. loose, and they were going to other churches. And I would just argue with it. Like they would show me verses and I'd be like, yeah, but that's not, you know, whatever. It just didn't matter. It didn't even phase me. Mm -hmm. uh, I would, you know, uh, terms like Shrefkilida and Phodizea, mm -hmm. scribes and Pharisees. Yeah. I would be like, you guys are like Shrefkilida. You're, yeah. stu you're studying the Bible too much. Mm -hmm. As if studying the Bible or being a doctor of the law and, and, and educated in the Bible was a bad thing. Yeah. No, these people were educated in the Bible and then not believing the Bible. Exactly. That's what the problem was. Yeah. They were being hypocrites. They were saying one thing and doing another. Saying what they say was not wrong. And Jesus actually says at one point, he says, do what they say, but don't do what they do. Yeah. Because they're teaching some true stuff, but they're not doing it themselves. They won't lift it with one finger. Yeah, right? exactly. And so there's a lot of truth there. A lot. So now the hope with your parents is just hopefully through the long distance relationship and you continue to show them some kind of respect and honor yep. that maybe one day things will ease off. That's my hope. Um, I hadn't seen them in two and a half years and I went there yesterday and I didn't even make it onto the yard till I was kicked off. So right now that's my plan. Um, I love them. Um, I forgive them for everything and I just want them to be saved. And, and when you were there, you don't have to get into it too much if it's too personal, but um, when you were trying to talk to your dad, you were able to stay calm and reasonable? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, I made that my main priority. As I went there, I don't think I've ever prayed that hard yeah. on my way there. Just to, I told God, it's not me. It's you control what I'm supposed to say. And you control, you take care of it. Um, so when I went there, um, I was calm. Um, he, he was definitely yelling in my face. But I remained calm and I told him I loved him. I loved mm -hmm. mom. Um, and that I came out of peace. I came there from for out of peace and love. I just wanted to sit down, catch up, have a nice talk. And until so. until a few years ago, did you have a good relationship with them, or was it always kind of edgy through the teenage years? Uh, the teenage years was okay. Um, it was good. I never really got beaten or anything. Like, it, and I'm thankful for that. Um, he taught me how to work. He yeah. everything. But um, when I got older, or I, I must have been like twenty maybe 19 or 20, um, you get older and you have more, you have less time to spend at home. Like you have more of your personal life that's starting to happen, right? Yeah. And it was hard for them to, to accept. And then when I turned around 20-ish anyway, it started fading a little more. And you were at the same time starting to search for truth, yeah. right? So it, it's kind of, all that kind of played in it too and it just kind of vanished and got worse and got worse me and mom have always had a more or less great relationship there was the disagreements yeah. which still are but uh we're still always a mother's love is something different you know yeah, it's yeah. uh but me and dad um as much as i've wanted a relationship with him um it's i'm just trusting god he'll give me give me yeah. that one day but it wasn't really there that's too bad um a father especially a traditional religious father has a really hard time showing any kind of tenderness or affection. Yeah. And on one hand, a masculine man is supposed to be more firm. But to me, I look at the father, you know, the prodigal son who ran from home, went and got into all kinds of chaos and sin and mm -hmm. spent his money on harlots. As he was coming home, he wasn't even all the way home yet. This father, this stern, religious, tough, old father came running to the son 
Yeah. The, some old men back then didn't run. Even today, old men don't run. And this man ran to his son, all clothed in filth and rags and smelling like pigs. Mm -hmm. He clothed him in his robe, gave him a hug, gave him a kiss, put a ring on his finger. My son that was dead is now alive. He was lost and he's found. That's how the father loves, our father, the father in heaven, right? Yeah. And so he can be a father to the fatherless. So even if you don't ever get that affection or your acceptance from your earthly father, you have it from yeah. your heavenly father, right? Yeah. And hopefully one day there will be that turn in his heart too, where yeah. God will turn his heart to his children. Yeah. I remember uh, driving home yesterday anyway. I was, it was hard to leave, but I remember telling God, look, uh, I know I don't have the love of the earthly father right now, but you're my heavenly father and, and I know you do so. And I've, right now I'm at peace. Yep. Like, and, and it's funny enough, actually, your dad's anger and frustration and probably resentment towards you is like a really mixed up love. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. he wanted you to be good. He wanted you to be like he had taught you to be. Mm -hmm. And now he's angry that you're going a different way. Yeah. And so it's hard for him to kind of rectify those feelings in his heart, right? Like, of course I love this boy. That's why I need to teach him a lesson. That's why yeah. he needs to, right? Yeah. And so it's tough. Yeah. But it's also a blessing. Yeah. yeah. It's... Oh, yeah. There's the good and the bad on both. And I look back to the times when life was really tough, uh, going through difficult trials. You grow by far the most. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. I know I've been down to earth a couple of times and just didn't know where to go. And until you just sit back and tell God, look, you take care of it. I, I just can't do it. There's times where you fall away and you think, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But then you, you run into a corner and you realize, like, I didn't ask God for help. So that's probably why I'm in a corner. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of where, I, where I'm taking this route, too. It's nice. How long are you here for now? Till another week. Okay. Just till Wednesday. And back to work in Texas? Yep. Back over there and get married. Are you, uh, are you involved in any Bible studies as a group or study um, a lot yourself? I do a lot myself, mostly myself. Um, actually getting, getting taught, or I don't know how you call it, educated by, I don't know if you know a... Henry Friesen from, I think he lives in Chihuahua, oh. Mexico. He does a lot of teachings. He goes around and does a lot of teachings. He, he has a YouTube channel too. Okay. And uh, he was in Seminole for three nights in a row at, at our church and did teachings and very inspiring. He does okay. everything in German, but he's very Hope inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I, I feel like I have a calling to speak out more. Yeah. And I know I'm, that's my calling. And so I'm hoping to get that public fear out of them yeah out of well the i mean i can tell so, you're a little bit nervous i don't yeah. think they'll be able to tell on the camera i hope not <laughs> uh, you're you're clear you're still articulate and i would to me often it's uh god starts revealing to you your gifts yeah pretty simply in a very simple manner where it's like oh i can do that yeah. if you yeah. can do it then you can maybe do it with some more passion mm -hmm. with some more joy so in a way i'm kind of using you now because this is my <laughs> start <laughs> um but yeah that's my plan he told me he would teach me and, uh, and then I want to, I might have to go to Mexico for that for a while. Uh, does he teach at a Bible school? Uh, I think he does, but I'm not sure exactly what, what it's called or anything. Okay. I can show you uh, yeah, what yeah. his channel is and everything. But yeah, he told me, teach me. He, and he has he has reached out and he's going to stop by in Seminole after a while. And I'm hoping to get into just uh, where I can get to, to the point where I can quit my daily job and just focus on focus on helping people. That's okay. my main goal. I don't. I don't care if, as long as I can provide enough to where I can make a living, then 
I just want to help people. Interesting. The Apostle Paul was a, a bit of an exception. He was an actual called apostle by God, right? Yeah. And he made tents on the side so that he could support his ministry and just keep going. He, he didn't want to be chargeable to anybody. Yeah, exactly. And so he was a different case. I think a lot of the other apostles, they did receive funds from people. Yeah. And so I've always kind of looked at my work a little bit that way where my work is enough to get the family by and hopefully a bit more and we can have a comfortable life. Mm -hmm. But I want to have freedom and flexibility to be able yep. to teach. Because and... if I'm stuck on uh, on the job 11 hours a day, you don't have that motivation and uh, de dedication as much. It's a little bit tougher. You can, I mean, you can witness to the guys at work. You yep. can talk to the, go the gospel yep. here and there. At... But I felt like if when I did deliveries, I had so much more free time yep. that that's when I grew. The most i and... talked to a guy yesterday who's very good at making money and he's made a lot of money and he said he just he knows he can't speak publicly that's not his thing but he said he feels like this is his calling is to support ministers to support missionaries and and he's got plenty of funds to be able to do that mm -hmm. and so there's no we're not just because i can speak doesn't make me more spiritual than him yeah on the day of judgment we might see who gets more rewards right? yeah jesus said that if you give a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple you'll receive the reward of the disciple yeah and so some people like that are going to end up having a ton of rewards because they funded the things that those that were gifted to do it could do it right? yeah so yeah yep and uh so I'm, I'm the exact opposite i don't have a ton of money yep. so um i'm more focused on i know my calling is to help people i have a passion for helping people so that's my goal right now and there is a mission it's kind of like a counseling that's coming up in alberta mm -hmm. and i've been offered to go there so we'll see how that plays along into my uh, into the marriage or, or i guess the wedding and everything yeah. see how that all plays into it but i have considered going there and if not then i do plan on being more publicly active okay and not not just out of wanting to be seen but For just sure. out of the want to help yeah i, I know where I've needed the help and I've gotten the help. Now I want to continue. Yeah, I would, my encouragement would be is just continue to do it on a small level and God will bring you to a place. Some yeah. people fight for a position. Mm -hmm. They try to push themselves into a higher place than what God has called them to. Yeah. Whereas I think the proper way is to serve and minister wherever you can, whether that's you know doing minuscule things at church mm -hmm. on a Sunday morning or if it's helping people during the week on a way where no one ever notices that you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And then God sees that here's a faithful man I can use. And then yeah. he can put you into a, a spot or a position where you are being used in a yeah. way that maybe gets some glory too, but you're then in a place where it doesn't matter to you. I I'm not doing this for the glory. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's the most important thing for me. I know there's people out there um, like in the public speaking era that mainly do it just for the fame, yeah. but that's as far as away as I want to stay from them. Yeah. It's a temptation for anybody who's in the public eye for sure. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, anything else that you had hoped to uh, touch on or kind of covered most of the I story? I covered most of it. Yeah. Well, that's exciting to hear. Yeah. It's... I, uh, I do hope and pray that um, through your witness and testimony that your siblings will hopefully come to see the truth. Yep. And they too can respectfully like encourage them if you do get to talk to them to be respectful to mom and dad, yep. be polite, make sure you, you know, appreciate them. Yep. But at the same time, if you have to leave father, mother, brother, sister to follow me and my, be my disciple, then, you know, go yep. for it. Right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm, I'm willing to leave my earthly family if that means that I get my heavenly family up yep. there. So 
and you replace one family with a whole bunch of others in that sense. Right? Yeah. I, I definitely am. I'm not encouraging young people to say, well, just go leave your family. Not a big deal. No, mm -hmm. it's a big, big deal. Yeah. Like your earthly family, your blood ties mm -hmm. are permanent. They are hopefully will stay for a lifetime and for yeah. all through eternity. You want them to all be saved. Yeah. At the sure. same time, if you have to leave your parents, your family, your brothers or sisters, you do have immediately a whole new family. right? Yeah, that's right. But yeah, my main main important thing now, our most important thing is uh, show respect and forgive mm -hmm. and love. That's mm -hmm. my main, main, main goals. And hopefully you get a chance to sit with your mom yet and yeah, hopefully. tell her some of this. Hopefully. And if not, maybe I can send her the link once it's up. And yeah, for sure. she'll watch it. <laughs> right on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, me too.